Welcome to the Backyard Buddhist Podcast, where we continually seek everyday enlightenment for the benefit of ourselves and all other beings. I'm Ron Powell McLean, and I'm here with my good buddy, Danny Hobart. Today, we're talking about natural awakening. Hey, Dan. Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. Buddha, Buddha. Hello, hello, hello. Howdy. How's it going? Good. Ah, ah, ah. This is a bit of a, a break in my week recording these, spending this time together. You're a busy so dude. Like now, sometimes, yes. <laughs> I, should, I should probably be busier. Uh, <laughs> but I seem to I seem to hit my quota all right yeah um, but this is always a nice nice it's break. funny that nice expectation break. about I was thinking about that the other day I was I was feeling actually anxious because I didn't really have anything to do one afternoon you know I've stayed fairly busy throughout all of this and I literally just didn't have anything to to get done like i'd pretty much gotten the the majority of my task list completed and i got really actually anxious i'm like what am i supposed to be doing like <laughs> normally yeah. really i couldn't give a fly and flip <laughs> that that i don't have anything to do because that means i can read or which you know i read a lot or just sit or go for a walk or play with my dog or organize something or whatever, you know, just do. But it freaked me out the other day and I'm not sure what that was about, but maybe a little contemplation. See, it, it really is all the same, right? Big to-do list, anxiety. Yeah. No to-do list, anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> take your pick you know it, it's better than it, it it's in my life it's better than it used to be i think i spent years always anticipating that you know if i completed something there should be 10 other things that were pressing you know just waiting to queue up and right. be on my you know on my major task list and the older I get, the wiser I get, the more I practice, the more I realize how much crap there is on my task list that really just doesn't matter. It's just there as, you know, just because it's an idea doesn't mean that it needs to go on a list. It's a, it's a good point. It's a bit maybe counterintuitive or totally counter, yeah <laughs> counter counter to what we're all what we're generally taught counter conditioning i'll call it counter con, counter conditioning that's yeah. a good, that's a good way to put it yeah my dad is a list maker and he's very creative with the list making there are colored pencils involved <laughs> i and, He's no be he's no better at any of the rest of us. In fact, I would say that he's one of the one of the primary procrastinators in my life. 
and it cracks me up that there's like this strange organizing effort that has to be color coded and it just ends up the lists literally end up in the pile. <laughs> I, I, I can appreciate that. I went, I went down, there's a journaling method called bullet journaling. Have you ever heard of this? I have. Yeah. So I went down that rabbit hole last year. It may have been two years ago at this point. I'm not sure. I think it was last, last winter. And, you know, you start out and I got the journal. I got the cheap one from Target and I made my little, it has a table of, con, it's like a key. I made the key and then I made the days and I drew out all the lines and all the days and all the pages and all this. And, but then I watch more videos on it and increasingly it turns from like, Oh, this is, this is my key that this is my extra key. And this is the, you know, like a little extra functions that people do too, like these giant pictures that people draw and super paint, like colorful. And, and I'm like, <laughs> is this, are we really journaling at this point? Or is this like a fancy, like, sketchbook it's an art project yeah it's an art pro yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, (laughs) people crafting and you know making pages and my sister got me on i'm holding this up so you can see it these panda planners which are lovely they're they're it's this one's broken out into um kind of you have a a year version and then months and then granular day date and it has things like your your morning review where i'm grateful for this and i'm excited about this and here's an affirmation and a focus and an exercise and then here's today's priorities my schedule by hour tasks notes and then an end of day review and it sits here on my desk it's lovely. I love the color. It's a pretty orange, and I've never written in it. <laughs> oh, doesn't it just make you warm and fuzzy though? Thinking about all the plans that you can put in there, and it's such a lovely thing. It's. I think it's the method that you know. It seems a little dated for me. I'm. You know. I'm a digital guy. Like technology. So. You know, I have apps for keeping track of stuff. You know, I need to keep track of, you know, client things and stuff for, you know, uh, you know, leading our Sangha community and, you know, things like that. Um, a few, sure. few personal things, that sort of thing. But it, you know, syncs with my calendar and I can kind of, you know, work out what needs to be done and when things are due digitally so it reminds me and i can access it on a you know on a mobile device and get to it the journal which i do like you know a lot of my a lot of my spiritual stuff when i am um meditating and something comes to mind i have you know a pen and pad or journal right next to my my seat and I write stuff down. So 
There is a right. there is a method for each madness. I think. Right. Yeah. I. If I I'm absolutely in the habit. If I don't write something down, it did not happen, and will not happen. So yeah. I I I use an app that I that works everywhere that I just have all kinds of notes in writing ideas, Buddhist ideas, <laughs> stuff to do. Ideas. But you're pretty creative too. So you're, you're using your creative skills. I, I know you don't tell anybody, tell no one. I'm not telling anyone. No one, <laughs> no one is listening. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. My dream life of being in a cabin in the mountains in Colorado or the highlands of Scotland or, you know. Somewhere cool. Writing. Not writing with my hand anymore, though. That's too much effort. I have, a, I do, a, although I can write, unlike every child these days. Um, <laughs> but I'll take a, I'll take a, I'll take a laptop, you know. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Which then you'll need Wi-Fi and you know a cloud somewhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Be, then you'll be uh, sitting in the Highlands of Scotland watching YouTube videos, <laughs> like the rest of us. Oh, <laughs> uh, I undoubtedly would. Sadly, I, I believe I could do not do that. I believe I could sit there and enjoy my writing. I also believe in the power of delusion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, yes. I have it will it will it will take some training to to break the these are our natural distractions. It, it really does. Yeah. It really does. I used to crack up, you know, when I was um Retreat manager for Lama Suryadas and um, general manager for his organization. I would be in retreat, and you know I would still have to check in because I would I was in charge of marketing as well, so I was you know checking in and posting and things on social media, and it always cracked me up that there were attendees of the retreats that were in their rooms. <laughs> posting selfies and <laughs> chit-chatting and you know this is, these are silent retreats and we're telling people you know turn off your devices and yeah and they're posting selfies and i there's a place up in washington state i'm dropping names today like i'm advertising i'm really not uh <laughs> And I don't even know how to properly say the name, but it's S V R A S T S Savrasti. Savrasti, yeah, yes. Savrasti, Vrasti, however you say it. And they have a, they do a winter retreat that's thirty days, but it's mandatory. No nothing, no electronics. Leave your phone at the front. Yeah. You have the avail availability of you know, if an emergency occurs that they'll, but other than that, it's pretty strict on yeah. no outside contact. And I, I, that in itself 
would be quite the practice, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Even just 30 days of turning off the internet would be something yeah. else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Maybe so, someday I'll have 30 days that I don't have to text somebody back. Maybe someday. Yeah. <laughs> After we're <laughs> fired and. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Living, living in a van down by the river. Yep. That'll be it. Yep. So I kind of wanted to talk today about natural awakening and natural awareness and what that actually means. So we say that a lot. We say spontaneous, natural awakening spontaneous natural awareness and what that actually means. What do you think that means? Mm. Put me on the spot. We'll see. We're about to find out how good a teacher you are. <laughs> Making, I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> what do I need to cover in tomorrow's uh, Sunday service? Well, uh, what does natural awakening and natural awareness mean? Focus on natural awareness for a moment. Natural awareness. The awareness part is easier than adding the natural to it. So the awareness part is being present. It's being cognizant, having knowledge or I don't know how to say awareness other than saying awareness of, of all the things around you. It's, that's your relative awareness where you're, what are you sitting on and what color is it and what's it smell like and what can you see? What can you hear? How do you feel? And then of course there's the big awareness of we're all, we're all the same. We're all part of the same. It's all the same and it's infinite and it's beyond. And so that's the, the, the bigger picture awareness. So that's the awareness. Natural to me is simply letting it, letting it be. It's that it's that we all are naturally aware if we can quiet our minds long enough to see that or experience it sort of, sort of like peeling back an onion or, you know, the, the middle of the onions always there. It's there. Right. We've wrapped it up our awareness of how things really are. Uh, we've, we've hidden, we've wrapped it. We've covered it in layers of the same thing, actually <laughs> like an onion. Yeah. The onion is covered up by layers of onion. Yeah. 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 So I don't know, you know, that's probably not a very clear cut answer. Natural awareness is the state of being how things are. It's, it's my state of being and understanding things are how they are. So what I heard you say was awareness of, form, feeling, sensations, things like that, which are what I would consider 
relative awareness. So the awareness of my body and all of the, you know, the sensations of seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, even the sensation of thoughts. Yep. Those are all important. And the, you know, the one that's a little harder to grasp is ultimate reality or ultimate awareness and that interconnectedness and the thought of us being inseparable from everything that is. That sounds a little woo-woo sometimes. So I think maybe, maybe it would clarify if I went the other direction so what I mean by that is when we think about ultimate awareness, it seems really vast and huge and big. And when we think about relative awareness, it feels tangible. Like we feel like, okay, I, I can be aware of the end of my finger or the palm of my hand or, you know, the nose on my face. I can feel that. So, where I'd like you to kind of shift your attention is really more of the, the let's, let's just say awareness of that I'm here. So maybe an awareness of consciousness so that I am, I am, I am a being, I am this living part of something and I'm having sensations, I'm having an experience. But if you go back even further from that spot, you have a space that is the consciousness before reactions and emotions and sensations. So if you can sort of picture that very neutral place that has no stains, no tarnish or, and it's, it's absolutely unaffected by the stimulus. So whatever stimulus occurs, it is unaffected by. So it's just awareness. And then we have the application of the reaction. We react with mo emotions. We, we react with the experience of physical sensations and the experience of thought. That that happens sort of at a level outside of that natural state of awareness. Now, all of those things are occurring within that plane, within that state of awareness, but they're arising and settling, and they're arising and settling, and they're coming and going. They're not attached. They're not, they're not from the consciousness. They're not created from the consciousness. They're just happening. Does that help at all or does it complicate it? <laughs> no, it does. So it, it, the, it's the land before time. 
Not I, I say yeah. that just as a <laughs> like in a metaphorical way. So, but not not a a, a, a real metaphor. But it's it, it, it sort of it, that's a hard place to get to. Uh, the way I like to sort of invoke it, invoke the the idea of it is thinking about a very neutral space somewhere out in space. So in between planets and, you know, wherever that's sort of a, a neutral space where, you know, it's just sort of a vacuum and there's nothing really percolating in that spot. And if I can kind of place my mind in that spot, there's not, you know, there's not all the form and stimulus and stuff going on. It's kind of where we're headed when we're, when we're trying to sit in stillness. We're trying to sit without all of the, you know, the sensory crap, you know, without, you know, we don't really want to sit and meditate at a rock concert. You know, we don't really want to sit and meditate in the middle of a grocery store. We can. We can learn to to be meditatively present in all of that, and we should. But to access that, we really have to be able to access that natural, unstained, untarnished, unaffected place that's prior to the stimulus around us and knowing that that is that exists as well that we then if we if we anchor in that if we sit our attention in that space then we can see that there's a portion of us that is unaffected so when we're having a reaction, we're having an emotional reaction, we're pissed off, we're, um, you know, crying, we're whatever, angry, that we can see, ah, that's a human reaction that's happening to stimulus. That's just part of the condition of operating in this physical form. So the neutral, that neutral space you're describing is in that space. Is that where you say I am? Yes. Or, and that's it. It's not, I am Ron or Powell. I am, you know, it's not, I am a dude. I am a marketer. I am, you don't fill in the blank. It's just, I am. I am awareness of existence. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's the, it's the seed of consciousness that is ever present and everywhere. It's everywhere. It's always there. It's always ready. It doesn't change in that. It doesn't have to be achieved. We don't have to learn it. We don't have to do anything to manifest it. It's always there. It's like the ever-present source of everything else that we do. 
So what's that? What's what is that? The neutral space. What is this awareness space? What's what then? It, what's the role? What's the the point of that? What's the what's that lead to? To me, it's you know, it's the it's sort of the seed of calm abiding for me as well. So for me to find calm abiding, let's just translate that a little bit and call it perpetual okayness. So when things are going south (laughs) or not going well and we've got chaos and we've got um, crisis and we have things that are going on in our experience and I am looking for that perpetual okayness. I'm looking for calm abiding in which I can stand and not be so affected and be just caught up in the unconscious thrall of that incident. Cause we all do it. You know, you get, you get caught, you get caught, you're in it. You're, you're screaming at the top of your lungs. You're, you know, finding, you know, rage where you didn't know you had it. I was very calm this morning and now I'm screaming at some person that I don't know or care about. And wow, how did that happen? <laughs> right? Because it's all unconscious reaction and it's all conditioned. We've had a lifetime of conditioning and, you know, for some reason in our, in our society, it's, it's uh, come to the point that the, the screaming and the re- repeating of the same words over and over again is somehow thought to be effective. <laughs> so we've adopted that as a society. And when others are doing it, then we think we should do it back. We should defend ourselves. We should tell them that they're wrong. They, they should understand our our side is right. And now you've got this big, just tire fire of bullshit happening that you, you can't seem to even look away from. So for our own sake and for our own practice, we have to be able to tap into that calm abiding and that wisdom that says, don't engage with this. This is not ours to do. This is not going to, you know, it's not remedying anything. It's not doing anything to benefit me or all other beings. So I can step away. I can step away in whatever fashion that, that may be. And that's wisdom. And it's also compassion. It's compassion for myself and that person who is screaming at me. I, I subscribe to the okayness. Uh, I strive for okayness. I, that is, that is my happy place. And it's interesting. Even when you asked me how I was doing today, when we started, I said, good. Well, I'm actually tired and (laughs) I did a bunch of stuff with my hand today and it's been hurting a little bit lately and you know, 
my my most of the time answer to that question is okay and i is that the appropriate thing to say right that's well it's not because people that oh what's wrong culturally oh, appropriate oh, i should say <laughs> yeah you're just you're just okay no no you don't understand okay is my happy place like this is okay is a really okay has become a I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you on on what you just said, though, because okay, okayness is not happiness. I, oh, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. no, but, I, I but understand it's, that. It's your comfortable spot. That's what you mean, it's, right? It's yeah, but not that's, to put words in your mouth, but that's what you mean. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say that. Yeah, I no, it's very comfortable for me, and I I tell people it's my happy place because that's what they understand. Right. That's, that's a statement for them, not for me. But you know, that's one of the, you know, that's one thing that I will say is, you know, one of the most understood, most misunderstood things about what we are doing. And I challenge anybody who thinks that we're just looking for happiness because the idea of having 24 hour, seven day a week happiness is absolutely unrealistic. There are going to be happy and joyous times and there's also going to be depressed and tired and angry times. But in between there is really the space that we can expand and cultivate and that's that spot of calm abiding, that perpetual okayness super important to to keep pulling away on those conditions that we've been told oh just be happy don't worry be happy no it's okay to worry <laughs> it's okay yeah. to worry and it's okay yeah. to be happy it's not one or the other you can be right. don't worry it's okay <laughs> like, yeah yeah and that okayness to me, I you know, I, I want to I want to put some words behind that too. That okayness is enoughness. I you know, and you can you know, if you're struggling to find that okayness, start with the basics. I have enough breath. I have enough, you know, energy in my body for me to be alive right now. There's a you know, there's a, I don't know if it's a Zen statement. I don't know who said it, but I know that Lama Suryadas says it in his teachings. There's enough for our need, not for our greed. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the idea that we always have to have more, 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 and we have to have this abundance of everything is also unrealistic. We should feel grateful. I feel grateful when I have my breath and when I have my comfort and I have enough. And that's already provided. If I'm awake and alive and here and now, I have enough and I am enough. We don't have to strive beyond that. You know, it's okay to have goals. It's okay to have things that you want to do and accomplish, but also understanding that the root, the root place is just enough. And we have that 
and we always have that or we're dead, right? And that's at that point, that's enough. It's enough to be dead. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Uh, you wouldn't. People wouldn't buy as much stuff, uh, or go to as many colleges, maybe, or compete quite so much. I think if if okay was okay if yeah. enough was okay um, you know we it's whatever human experience for people maybe cultural maybe it's probably worldwide that people compete to be the best and that means having the most you know there probably was a caveman that wanted the best cave. And so he killed right. his friends like biggest, in secret. Biggest you know, club, like, biggest yeah, piece of meat. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Somebody probably caveman started a, started a gang so they could go kill the biggest mastodon or whatever right. they hunt. Bragging you know, rights. Bragging rights. Right. So he could get the tusks and put them on his entryway and, you know, so, well, I think that comes from, you know, a very natural sort of human place, you know, that we don't want to be hungry and we don't want to be without a place to live and we don't want to be without clothes or water or, you know, clean conditions. And yet those who, you know, are in poverty can also be happy. Yeah. That's a testament yeah. there. Or folks that, of course they can, folks that have less. You know, it's interesting. Some of the people that I've met, just however you happen to know people in your life, uh, some of the poor, poorer or, you know, have less money yeah. uh, than others, man, I almost think it's the opposite correlation. Like the more you have, the more you want. And the less you have, the less you want. And they have, they have, I've some of the poor people that I know, they've had the like most well-rounded kids and they're generous people. And you know, this is completely subjective uh, way to put it. But ultimately we all know somebody that has less that is, you know, a wonderful person, uh, however you want to couch that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't need the enoughness really is the thing. That's a, that's a reality, relative reality on, on top of the, the ultimate reality part of it. But someone is thinking that their Cadillac is enough, <laughs> right? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, and, I mean, it's okay. It's, you know, it's not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that you should be a minimalist. I'm not saying that you should not have things and not have things that you enjoy. Absolutely. What, what we, you know, what we do have to check ourselves on, continually check ourselves on, is the attachment. 
because really suffering, yeah. I mean, we should just stop saying suffering and say attachment. Right. The whole, you know, the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle behind suffering is our unnatural attachment to things. Yeah. And that attachment is the, that is the big, bad, ugly roadblock. That's I mean, the, you, you that's literally the... spend your life getting things, earning things, and you go out with nothing. <laughs> literally empty handed. And, but you've spent your entire world and your entire reality getting, 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 keeping, keeping, no, I, keeping, being upset when you lose something. Well, that's why, you know, that's why this practice is important. That's why the principles of Buddhism and the, the core beliefs are so important. That's, and everybody's experience with these things is, is why Buddha said, Hey, here's, here's some ideas I had. Go, go try them out for yourself. Yeah. You know, and make it practical, make it practical for your, you know, your lifestyle. I'm not, yeah. you know, you know, I, I like a nice house and I like nice things, but you know, I, I check myself. That's, it's just a thing. It's just form and, yeah, it feels nice. You know, our, our value system of those things is skewed. We, you know, place monetary value on things and money is made up as well. So there's, you know, a complexity to that value system. And really the, the whole value is, should be its, its use. So, you know, I can have a very nice teacup. But the, the idea is that it holds the tea. It holds the tea. Something yeah. can hold the tea. Yeah. I always, I always think about cars like that. I was a toy. I never, it's not like I grew up rich or like with nice cars. I had, I was lucky enough to have a car to go in with my mom, but you know, I grew up just in love with cars. I had no idea what it was. And I always wanted to have a Porsche and I never have had a Porsche. I don't know that I ever will have a Porsche. <laughs> uh, you could buy an old cheap Porsche that's beat up. So I might have one of those someday. Who knows? Um, if anybody has an extra Porsche that they want to get. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I definitely, you know, I think it's important to say if I got a Porsche, that doesn't mean like I'm. Uh, now you've achieved it doesn't something. Yeah. It does, and it really doesn't necessarily mean anything. No, it's just a um, experience it's of a, a Porsche. It's experience of a Porsche, and that can be whatever it is to me. And just like anybody, you know, I don't. People get to buy what they want. They get to buy their house that they want, and you know, there's there's a thing mm -hmm. with moving moving up. You know, you work and you buy a house, you sell it, you make more money. You buy another house, you get a new job. Like that's a thing. That's a thing that a lot of people do. And that's, I mean, all of that's okay. Right. I mean, it's okay to do that. Right. Yeah. As long as you're not just caught in it, you know, and that's, that's where I say that our practice really pays off. You know, I think, hang on.
I think that's where our attention pays off. You know, when we understand what the value or no value of those things are, then we can see them as they are. We can see them, you know, you know, if I'm emotionally torn because, you know, when I'm 50 years old and I haven't achieved my Porsche yet, then there's an issue. There's really an issue because you're, you're living in some sort of delusional state that that is important. Not that things are, you know, not that our experience of stuff isn't fun and cool and makes us feel elated and joyous when we have them. But think about how shitty it feels when you lose it. You know, somebody steals it or it gets wrecked or it, you know, whatever. It's yeah. crushed by a tree. You can't afford it and they take it back. Right. Um, that happens. Or it's not everything it was <laughs> that you well, thought it was going to be. And now, you know, because yeah. to me, you know, I'm not a little guy. I'm like, I think sitting in a Porsche sounds tiny. <laughs> so I'm all for your Porsche. I don't think I want to ride in it, though. <laughs> well, there's a terrible, I'm not going to make the joke, but <laughs> I have been to Germany and I will say this, and I've had several German cars. Uh, they do appreciate a larger person, at least larger than average. So That's there's great. hope. There's my, hope. My husband there's drove hope. a Mini Cooper for the first few years uh, that we were together, and it drove me crazy. Like, I felt like I had to get in that. <laughs> I, I literally had to ride in that car in shifts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my buddy, my buddy, when we were in high school, had this, he had two of them. It was, it was the first or second model of Honda that were ever sold in the United States. And they were the size of the old Mini Coopers, 10 inch wheels. Oh, good if Lord. That made, if that doesn't mean anything to people, most wheels on cars now are at least 15 inches. So yeah. these were tight. Like the car was small enough that in the garage, I, I picked up the front end. That's the part with the engine. Yeah. And moved it. So <laughs> the cool thing, the coolest thing about that car though was, and he had two because parts on both worked and didn't. So we had to, that was one of the first cars I ever worked on too. So, but it wouldn't, it didn't go very fast, but you could literally take any corner at full speed. That was the coolest thing about it. Like, you may only be going 30 miles an hour, but it was not falling over. I mean, <laughs> it was a fun car to drive and That's ride cool. in, but it was tiny, tiny, tiny. And I was not small in high school either. So he was, but anyway, we probably made up the correct size of two people. <laughs> you know? But No, I think that's, I like the way you said that. And you know, that leads into another, area that that is a absolutely a part of suffering and of course it's a part of attachment but expectation yeah, and absolutely you know i could have a whole expectation that if i don't have a i have to have a porsche it's going to be an awesome porsche and if i don't have it by the time i'm 50 i'm a giant failure and my expectation is that i'll get this porsche and it will complete my life and it will make 
me it means I'm successful and I can prove it and there you go and you know expectations I was talking to a client about that the other day not to get into um, confidential things but the expectations are big too that's a that's a real big part of our life and boy you always say you always say you know the expectations get you one thing and that's disappointment yeah well at least the possibility for disappointment you know yeah. if, we, if we go into everything with that bullheaded stubborn idea that just because we want something to turn out a specific way that it should i mean if we literally had you know like when you have those reviews at work and they sit down and they talk about, you know, here's where you can, you know, here's where you're meeting expectations. Here's where you're not meeting expectations. If we literally sat down with our own lives <laughs> and, and had an annual review and, and gave it marks and said, you know, I don't really feel like you're meeting expectations. <laughs> Man, that sounds, that sounds I'm terrible. I'm going to fire my life now. <laughs> That sounds terrible. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, we do it. We do it in so many ways. We review our relationships. We review our work, you know, and our colleagues and our, you know, they have those 360 reviews now where you have to review other people that you work with. And I, you know. That's hard. Well, it's kind of silly. Well, it's, it's a hard, that's a hard task to, to put on somebody. You know, they could hire you to make a widget. Maybe your job is to hit the widget with a hammer. And all of a sudden you have to review the guy in front of you and behind you or something. You right. know, that's not your job. Your job was to hit the widget with a hammer, right. not to come in and bag on everybody else. So you look better. Right. Right. I don't know. It's true. So bring it, bring us. So I wanted to, uh, you know, to tell you one way that I sort of look at this, at least on the attachment and the suffering part, you know, I always, uh, I like to visualize concepts and ideas. And so I, my path, my Buddhist path is in the woods and it mostly has, it's, it's a decent size path. It's maybe, it, there's plenty of room and it's mostly like a dirt path. It has some rocks on it and, uh, I walk down the path and there's, there's trees on both sides and it turns once in a while. And it, you know, there's every now and then there'll be a fork in it or something, but for the most part, I just pretty go down the path, but you know, I picture like big boulders on the path and that'll be like some big obstacle. So if I run into something in my life, in my head, in that moment, it can be, I'm mad at a person for cutting me off in traffic, or it can be, Oh no, I didn't, you know, I asked the wrong question in court and I should have done it differently. It can be any level of thing that becomes an obstacle on my path. And I visual, a lot of times I visualize that. And so uh, along those lines, I try to stay in the middle of the path. Like that's my okay part. And when I have emotions, when I start getting swayed, and this is how I think of it. Maybe totally bizarre. I don't know. But but I then I'm I'm walking over to the edge of the path. 
I sort of veer off from the middle and I, and I had one, one way or the other. And, you know, in, in those places can be found happiness or joy or sadness or depression or any feeling at all is something that's different than the okayness of the middle. Uh, but that helps me be aware of my feelings when I'm in them. Uh, that's something that I do just, you know, anything you can do to escape, uh, for me, anything I can do to escape that getting wrapped up in a, in a thing to get back at least somewhat to the, that neutral part of your brain you were talking about the sort of just bare existence awareness. You but know, I would also add to your, you know, to the visualization of your path, which I really like. Um, I would also add things like emotions and reactions and things like like and dislike, that those yeah. are all obstacles that show up on that path too, that, you know, we don't really expect because we think they're, it's just a normal way of being. I don't like that. And I get pissed mm-hmm. off if I don't, you know, have the things that I like. And now that's a giant obstacle and it, you know, you have to veer off the path to even get around it. So you're going to, you know, go distract yourself with, with happy or sad or, or something just trying to avoid that obstacle. So, you know, I'm, I love the, there's an obstacle removing path clearing prayer to Padmasambhava that I just love. And in fact, um, on this podcast, when you hear the little kalimba playing, that's me playing the tune from that obstacle clearing and path, or path obstacle removing and path clearing prayer to Padmasambhava that I use that a lot to think about the subtleties about those obstacles. And most of those obstacles are self-created and unconscious. So when I'm bringing myself to that neutral place of consciousness, it's to be able to see everything clearly ahead of me. I can see, oh, that's a reaction arising. That's like and dislike arising. That's agitation arising. That's tiredness, sadness, all these human reactions and conditions that just arise out of our experience. You know, we have memory of that experience that keeps occurring and we've built up resistance to what we don't like and, you know, built up desire and craving for the things that we do like. Those are both obstacles. It's not just about being happy or sad. It's, you know, seeing those things for what they are and seeing, oh, I'm having a craving for that thing. I've felt that lately, Um, you know, with this pandemic going on and, you know, I'm captain safety anyway. So I, you know, I don't like taking risks. I just had, you know, surgery a few weeks ago to repair my arm. And so I'm just not going out. Like I'm ordering the groceries and I have been having that craving and desire to 
have like a normal thing. I want to, you know, I want to travel. I want to go to the beach and see my mother-in-law in, in Florida. Yes. I actually like my mother-in-law and she's, <laughs> she's kind of a, a beach bunny. So she likes to go to the beach and, and lay out. And I like to watch the water and listen to the surf and, you know, lay in the sun and get burned. <laughs> too pale. I was thinking about just, I, I'm craving that experience of just going and relaxing somewhere that's not in my own home. So awareness of that is helpful. You know, if I didn't, if I wasn't aware of it, then maybe it starts to just build and build and I just find myself in an anxious and, you know, even agitated space because I'm not getting what I think I want. No, that's a, that's a, that's a brilliant example. And I can always help you by sending you pictures of the beaches in Florida. Oh, that's nice. Can you send me like the sounds well, of the surf and like, I just, no. I actually have, you know, so, so I'm such a, like, I love that sensation of sitting on the sand and, yeah. you know, just a little ways from the, the water and just hearing that sound and feeling the breeze that I'm, I'm that guy who takes out his phone and I record it. And so I've got a few little clips, you know, three or five minute clips of the water. And I'll just sit and listen to that and just feel like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> that's a... I'm going to put that in the category of pro pro life pro tip for anybody out there. If you enjoy nature, that's a, that's a cool thing to have, have a, have a video or audio or both, whatever you like. And you can, you can have that memory with you if you need it. That's um, re-stimulate an old experience, but don't get yourself mired in the, you know, the, the craving of it, you know, understand that it's a, you know, it's normal to have those reactions as humans. You know, the thing that helps us transcend is really to see those, you know, as potential obstacles. When we see them for what they are, they are not obstacles. When we, when we, when they're just unconscious and reactive, then they become a problem of suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Your own spiritual compass starts with awakened awareness. With the lens of that awareness, we see the natural state of consciousness as unstained, untarnished, and unaffected by stimulus. Reactions and emotions are constructs of the conditioned mind and therefore are simply the illusions and abstract concepts of the ego mind. The natural state is spacious and formless. Within that state of awareness, thoughts, feelings, judgments, emotions, and sensations come and go, arise and settle, but leave no trace. We can transcend the thrall of our reactions by simply seeing those emotions as reactions. 
and intentionally turning our attention to the empty, open awareness of our naturally unaffected state. This awareness is always there and has never been absent. Thanks, Dan, for endeavoring into this topic with me today. And thanks to all of our listeners for doing the same. We see you and appreciate you and hope you're well. Thank you, Pawo, for your teaching today and for your time, as always. And listeners out there, remember, meditate as fast as you can. Bye now.